from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's right. Tiny House Podcast. I'm Perry. Woo! This is Michelle. We nailed the clap this morning. Yeah, and this is Mark. <laughs> we nailed that clap. Yeah, we, we did. did. Innuendo intended. So this morning <laughs> we have um, we have uh, Andrew and Gabriella. Gab, are you guys married? We are. We are. Uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, this thing's well scripted. You yeah, can exactly. Know. <laughs> and uh, G- Gabriella and, and Andrew. Gabriella and Andrew are um, probably most well known for. Their uh, tiny house design, the oh, 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 everybody now, oh, it's quite lovely. Can I call you Andy and Gabby? Yeah, <laughs> you could, but we probably hang up. <laughs> oh man. Okay, so so uh, listeners, you guys have seen this this tiny house, I'm sure, all over the tiny house community. It's a beautiful modern house. Um, with dark accents on the interior with white walls. I think, Michelle, did you riff off that design? A riff? <laughs> yes, we'll call it riff off. Yes. Riff off. Uh, Not riff off, riff. I prefer to, I prefer the term inspired by. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Riff, riff is different than, than rip. Riff is like you played off it. Rip is like you stole it. So we're bringing in our lawyer now. Um, <laughs> have a little uh, debrief. Anyway. Okay, on with the show. So, Andrew, Gabriela, how are you guys doing? Wonderful. Great. What's what's up these days? Uh, well, we're in, actively in the middle of our uh, our yearly sale, and one of the things that's been very excited is that Andrew has decided to do tiny house workshops. So we are just. Honestly, in work mode these days, we're we're. Fulfilling. Which you know, work work mode means like we work three hours a day, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, we're gonna get to that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're exhausted. We're slammed. Yeah. <laughs> three hours yesterday. My fingers are so tired from all the typing. <laughs> so I, I did I did check out your website, and you guys have a lot going on. Um, and there are a lot of places we can go with this. Why don't we start with how, how you guys got into the tiny house uh, movement? Really, it, it, for us, it was, a, it was a personal experience. We didn't necessarily mean to, well, I guess we, we did mean to get into the movement, but, but it, was, it was more of a personal choice for us. We, we had looked around our perfect house as we thought it was. You know, we had the American dream rolling. And, uh, and we just started realizing it was costing us a lot financially and, and emotionally and Relationship-wise with our kids, and um, so we basically, long story made short, we we sold or donated most of what we owned, and uh, moved to Mexico for five months and lived on the beach there, and then came back and couldn't find a house small enough to live in. Um, it just seemed like everything was too big, so we slept in a closet for a while. <laughs> <laughs> we rented the smallest house we could find, and even that was too big. So we we wow. the the little mini walk-in closet was just big enough for a queen-size mattress so we plopped that down on the ground and created that into our bedroom how big yeah, sleeping, sleeping in the actual bedroom felt like it was just way too big it wow. was like how? scary too big so how yeah big? we knew we knew it was inevitable to have to design our build and build our own tiny house because there was nothing on the market that was going to satisfy our very specific needs huh how, how big how was big that was house and uh, how much were you paying for rent 
1,100 square feet. And $1,500 a month. Poopy. Wow. Wow. It was so dumb. Yeah, Ashland, Oregon is very expensive. And that obviously didn't include utilities and anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you're renting this place, and then what happened? Uh, well, I think when we were renting the place, that, that was more of like, let's just settle in and, and get back to town after being in Mexico for, for that five months. Um, and it was sort of, just sort of a transition. We actually then moved to Colorado for a year. Um, our son was in school in Colorado, and we went out there to uh, be closer to him. And then while we were there, we were looking at land to purchase here back in, in Ashland. Um, and it was funny because we had a very... A very uh, for Ashland, a pretty low budget um, to buy our land, and so we, you know, put in our, our total of what we could afford, and and we found a lot of, you know, point zero two acres in an industrial zone, <laughs> I mean, like yeah, horrible awful. stuff. And then we found this one piece of property that had this little cabin. I'm actually looking at it right now. It had this little cute little cabin, 104 square feet. It had a little kitchen in it, a little uh, um, what are those things called? It's like a bed, but not a, but a couch. A but futon. A, a futon, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Had a futon. And, so, and a little outhouse outside. And, and I, you know, we looked at each other and we're like, okay, so this land is in our price range. It's five acres. It's gorgeous. And it has a tiny house on it? Okay. Sold. Nice. Yeah, so we came out to visit it um, in February. And it was literally, there was three feet of snow on the ground. And I said, it's perfect. Let's take it. We, yeah. <laughs> we couldn't even see any of it, but it was just perfect. Yeah, we had no idea what we were going to find once the the snow finally melted off. It could have all been pavement for all we know. (laughs) (laughs) So you you said moved. So you were in Mexico, and then you moved to Ashland, then you went moved to Colorado, then you moved back to Ashland. So so when we when normal people, I guess, um, envision a move, you know, it involves rental trucks and towing your car behind the big box truck. And talk a little bit about that move process and how minimalism sort of sort of makes you more flexible or uh, yeah. mobile. Well, it was it was interesting because each of the time that we moved, we had such, it was like such a unique situation. So the move to, well, the move down to Mexico was super easy because I was just our pop-up tent trailer and we just put the little stuff that we had left into storage here in Ashland and then came back up in the pop-up. And then, um, and then yeah, the move from, from storage to the house in Ashland, that was you know, very easy and basic. And then when we went to Colorado, we... Well, hold on. we got to go back to that. I have to talk about that. Go for it. So, sorry. <laughs> we came back from Mexico. We went to our, our little storage unit and opened it up. And, um, you know, like I said, we'd already gotten rid of most of what we owned at that point. So we just stored the important things. And when we opened it up, I, there was boxes in, that were marked uh, office vital, kitchen vital. Make sure you open these things right away when you get back from Mexico, that sort of thing. And we opened those boxes up, and we looked at each other going, who the hell were these people? We had, like, <laughs> the, the kitchen vital box had six wooden spoons and the plastic container that keeps cilantro fresh. <laughs> like, how is that vital to anybody's life? You know? so was, we ended up getting rid of probably half of that as well. So, wow. like, some of it came home and then immediately went into Goodwill and another garage sale. Yeah, it was so. funny. Literally, the people that packed up that storage unit before we went to Mexico were different people than when we came back. Like we didn't that. even recognize ourselves. We're like, wow. what were we thinking? What was the rationale yeah. behind this? And we're one of those weird people that moves into a new house and has a garage sale when we move in. Yeah, and then in Colorado, because we just went out in our in our car, we, we just scoured Craigslist and had to buy furniture for this house for, for cheap and for the temporary, because we were only there for nine months. 
And and then the the drive back from Colorado was again just in the car because we sold everything. Back well, again. the drive back from Colorado was we had a trailer. We oh, brought some yeah. stuff back, so we put a trailer behind the car. Uh, we had just bought a new car, and then we realized that the trailer was too heavy, so it busted our car. So wow. <laughs> our car ended up on the back of the of a U-Haul truck instead. We had, to, we had to, on the side of the road, had to switch everything out and do a new truck, and, wow. and we dragged our car all the way home. Wow. That was Wyoming. Then we had to drive to Oregon. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Did Do you have pictures of the cabin? Yeah. Send those totally. to me, please. We'll put them on the show notes. Yeah, for sure. So this, so you're living, you were living in the cabin. That's where you guys are doing the interview now. But how did you get into the tiny house? Into our actual tiny house that we have now? Uh-huh. Well, so, so all along, after we came back from Mexico, we were crystal clear that we were going to have to design and, and build our own. So we, it, it took us all that time to design home the way that we wanted it to be and i'm really glad that we had the luxury of that much time because you know like it is in life you think you know you what you want and then you give it some time and it rolls around and in your thoughts and different experiences happen and then and so it 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 changed definitely morphed um and you know in the end i'm so glad that it, it is the way that it is because i feel like we really gave it the the time that it needed so we we moved to the property after moving from colorado and set about the the process of building and um yeah that was an adventure in and of itself for some reason we decided it'd be a good idea to start building our tiny house in September and not recognizing the elevate we're almost at 4,000 feet and we've never lived at such a high elevation in this valley and so the weather is is entirely different than anything we'd experienced before and so we were dealing with snow and sleet and extremely cold temperatures while living in our little pop-up trailer the trailer was way more comfortable in Mexico yeah. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Yeah. <laughs> so that that was honestly an, a nightmare. That was it was terrible. We were just cold all the time, teeth chattering, just in the mud, and um, we were so happy when that built. We literally we moved in this as soon as we had a source of heat in the tiny house. The floors weren't done. The counters weren't in. We were we moved in. But the the cabin. So let's see. When you came back from from Mexico, you moved into a small house that you were renting, and then you moved into this cabin, right? Um. Well, we were Mexico back to the house that we were renting. Then we moved to Colorado. Then we came back out to Ashland, where this little cabin is. And we did stay down there for a little bit, um, but not. It, I don't know why. Why did we not stay? Oh, because there was no water. There was no water. Once things got cold, um, there was no way to get water down there. Um, so we, we couldn't have anything to do dishes or, or wash anything with. Everything froze. Uh, so we had to move to the pop-down trailer and do everything sort of self-contained. Uh, that's what, Okay. I was going to ask. You, you, guys have, you guys have lived in Ashland for a while, so you knew about the weather. Um, seems well, to- you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've lived here, what, 15, 16 years now yes. in Ashland, more or less. And when, when you're in Ashland and it says chance of rain... It you it might rain. It it may rain uh, in the winter. When when you're living where we live now, just up outside of Ashton, when it says chance of rain, it means you're in the cloud all day long and it's pouring snow. Oh, okay. um, so it's a totally different weather pattern here. It's literally ten fifteen degrees colder here sometimes than it is in town. Wow. Um, 
And we didn't know that. Uh, it, it's a very, the neighbors that we talked to said, oh, yeah, this is a special valley. You know, we get more snow here than everywhere else. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. We, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't get it at all. You didn't get it at all, right? <laughs> so how long did it take you to build your house? Four months. Four, four long months. <laughs> You guys are long, cold, wet, mud cover. I, I was eight inches taller because I had uh, mud heels the whole time. <laughs> Ice packed to the bottom of your hiking boots the whole time. Oh, yeah. Did you ever? All that. There's nothing like waking up in the morning in a pop tent trailer and having ice on the inside of everything because really what, what I think is often missed in that, you know, when people talk about RVs and stuff and what they miss about the pop tent trailer is the word tent. Yeah. Um, it's really just a tent. It has a heater, which is great while it's on, and as soon as it turns off, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in a tent. Right. <laughs> There's no heat left. So it's either freezing or 110 degrees, right? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and what about love that humidity? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so you guys have an 11-year-old daughter, too, now, correct? Well, she's... She's grown a little bit. Yeah, kids, I don't know if you know this, but kids actually age, too. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> yeah, she's almost, she's 16 in, like, two weeks. Oh, oh wow. wow. Okay. All right. Time to update the website. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, she's driving. Um, or, well, maybe, you know. Uh, so, how, how did that experience kind of happen? It's always interesting because, you know, for all the tiny housers out there, People tend to be, you know, either on the younger or older side where they don't have children. So kind of what was her perspective on, on some of that experience to the degree you can kind of speak for her? If she's speaking to you, that is. No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, last we spoke with her. No. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it was, it was, I just, I think of all of our experiences we've had through the now yeah, almost five years with our, our downsizing journey. My absolute favorite is how it's affected the kids. And so Tara, our daughter, was, I mean, she when, before we left, she was, a, she was a pain in the butt. She was a pill. She was 11 going on 16 and uh, was moody, was sassy. Um, when Although it, she's going on 16 now, she's actually really cool. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, now she's 16 going on 30. Yeah, right. And, um, and she, she was on her screen all the time, um, you know, was just not interested in connecting um, with us. And um, so we were actually pretty concerned when we... <laughs> brought up the idea of moving to to Mexico with her and living in a pop-up tent trailer in this tiny little space and unplugging her from her reality. And obviously we talked with her extensively beforehand and um, she wanted to do it and go along with it. And so we were surprised by, by that. And then we got down there and within a week she was seething with rage and she, we, you know, we kept trying to ask her what was going on. And finally it came out and she, she was so angry with us because we had gone down and I, we said, well, remember honey, like we all had a, lots of conversations about this and she <laughs> screamed at us. Yeah, but I didn't think you were actually go through with it. <laughs> it's the poor thing. She found herself down there in Mexico, the last place she went to be at that time and um with these two parents that she wanted nothing to do with and going through major you know electronics withdrawal and from yeah. you know kind of fast-paced culture and we all were actually for that matter yeah. so the first month was 
really, really rough for all of us. We actually, we really, really did seriously consider turning around, you know, coming back with tails between our legs and just coming back to the community. And um, Yeah, that didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we, we stuck through it. We did, and, and fortunately it was only, a, you know, a matter of a few more days and all of a sudden it clicked for all of us. And so my point in all of this is that she experienced such a dramatic change when she was given the opportunity to live in an environment that was so, um, it just supports self nurturing and self care because there's so little distractions. When you're living in a pop-up tent trailer in Mexico and on the beaches and there's nothing but the, you know, beautiful nature around there, no, you know, electricity, electronics, TVs, all those kinds of things. I mean, it's it's incredible the transformation that took place for her. It was like all of a sudden we got our daughter back. And the daughter that we remembered being, you know, when she was around five or six, when there was still so much magic in her reality and her perception of the world. And so then we came back and we were really curious if it was going to be a, a long-term um, change or, or I'll go back to how it was when we came back and thank goodness um, it has been a permanent change and we are all um, I mean I, I just don't I can't even imagine what our dynamic would be like had we not gone through that experience and our son was going through his own tiny house experience at the time um, he's an ice hockey player and so when he <laughs> well, got to high school age um, he, had, he had become too good to play hockey here in, in uh, southern Oregon um, for his age that he was at the time at 14, he, he just, there wasn't anything that he could do here that would improve his game. So he ended up um, asking if he could go to boarding school in Colorado. Wow. Which to us, we thought, well, isn't that just for delinquents and people, you know, who parents who don't like their kids? Isn't that what boarding yeah, school is about? Because we just had no idea. <laughs> uh, and uh, so anyway, he ended up, he ended up living uh, in Colorado at boarding school and that's kind of a tiny house situation too, because all of a sudden he's got a roommate in a, you know, like a college dorm room basically. Um, and the school he went to is totally international. So not only did he have the experience of living with someone, but his roommate, uh, who he's, he remained friends with all the way through the, his four years there. But for the, for the first time, he found himself living in a small room with a young man from South Korea, wow. which had totally different cultural impacts and study habits and you know, two o'clock in the morning, his roommate would turn the light on and start studying. And he's like, dude, I'm sleeping right now. You know? So like there was a lot of learning to live in small spaces for him as well. Um, that when we came back together, uh, it was amazing how that affected our relationship, uh, as well in a good way, um, with him learning his own, his own pieces. And then, uh, our time together became that much more special when we were together because we weren't having to be the, you know, the, the, the parenting police on, are you getting your homework done? Are you doing this? Like that was all at the school and we just got to have an awesome relationship with our son, which is, and now he's, he's back at home. He's playing hockey here, uh, on a junior team and living at home for the next year. And it's been awesome. Very cool. How did, how did you, you were talking about how the the experience in Mexico changed your daughter and how this one changing your son has the, echo, echo, echo. Yeah. Has has the did the experience in Mexico have any effect on you two? Well, we're I mean we we went down there pretty much awesome and came back awesome. So, <laughs> so no, <laughs> no, I definitely did. I definitely did. Um, you know, not just the the living tiny aspect of it, but I think the communication has always been so important to both Gabrielle and I. Um, 
and it just I think it really deepened that that level of communication for us um, with each other, with the kids, with other people, with ourselves. Uh, time to you know get some inner re- reflection and uh, and, con- and con- you know continue that uh, today. So uh, yeah, I think it definitely had an impact on us. The one impact it didn't have was I figured five months in Mexico, I'm learning Spanish. Uh, but the reality is when you spend five months in Mexico with your daughter and your wife who both speak English and you hang out with each other most of the time, you pretty much speak English. Right. Uh, so I didn't really learn much at all, which was too bad. Nice. Yeah, and I think another opportunity that going down there afforded us was, you know, Andrew and I have been together. We've been married now for 18 years. And um, so when we went down, it was, you know, we'd been together for, well, 17 years when we went down. And, um, we've been together, not married, but been together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, and you know, you think you know somebody really well in that <laughs> amount of time. <laughs> no, and then, and you then, think you know someone. <laughs> no, and going down, and again, the, the opportunities that are afforded when people unplug and disconnect and are just still and, and um, there's more op- opportunities for contemplation. I feel like I got to know you much better yes you Andrew um, than I had before and and that was that was really welcoming and, and a wonderful experience mm-hmm. yeah I agree tiny house counseling <laughs> quick, quick question on that so I'd imagine when you guys got down there you, you kind of nodded to this before but you guys unplugged and I suspect there was that week or two of especially for your daughter it's like well what do I do right there's yeah. no electricity there's no internet there's no connecting with friends yeah. What was kind of her first experience of, holy shit, this is going to be amazing? Was there a, a thing that happened over that first two or three weeks that was like, wow? Well, I would say three or four weeks. Okay. Yeah, it was a full month. Wow, okay. And, um, interesting. <laughs> okay. Well, what happened? What was the thing? Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't even know because okay. we, were, we were in such misery and suffering and we were, you know, like we were talking about really considering coming back and something just I don't know something aligned in some star constellation somewhere and it was like all of a sudden one day Andrew I think you were the first one yeah (laughs) it was like all of a sudden it was like boom oh I get it now I know what we're doing there I think the next day was me and the day after that was Tara and it was like this domino effect and and the only way I can describe it is all of a sudden we landed wow. all of a sudden all, maybe it was like the, the chaos of the like the, the fast mind that's re- almost required to, to operate in this culture that we live in mm-hmm. all of that suddenly got quieter and we were able to to notice where we were and appreciate the situation that we were in and yeah. then it was just literally non-stop fun for the next almost four months wow wow so that's the had, best thing ever that's cool yeah that is so cool i've had the distinct uh privilege of, of visiting you um in ashland and i want to i want to sort of set the scene for the listeners so you live at the 4,000 foot level. Your driveway is, gra- I don't know, it's like five miles long to get up the mountain. <laughs> and you think you're going to like drive off the edge and there's lovely blind corners. So it's an investment like to get there in the first place. But the one thing I just wanted to sort of expand on the, on the you know, the family um, concept. So their lovely home is, is parked, um, you know, in this, in this wonderful clearing with big trees and we had a, 
we had a big table outside where, where you can have dinner outside when the, when the weather's not snowing, of course. But also their kids um, have their own spaces. They have their own sort of cabin tree houses so that everybody has their own space, but at the same time the home is very much the central part of the, of the experience. That's where the kitchen is and the bathroom, and that's where all the family comes together to eat. It's, it's really, really impressive. I mean, I don't think pictures do it justice, and of course I wanted to thank you again for your hospitality, but can you talk a little bit about once you got the home done, then building those other cabins, and what were the considerations, and how much did your, did your children sort of push for their own spaces, and and how did that process work? Well, we actually built, uh, is that me echoing? Woo! Hello! <laughs> Sorry, I had a bit of an echo there. Um, we actually built uh, our daughter's cabin first. Uh, that was the first thing that, that we did when we got. Uh, well, partially. Partially. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was mostly built. So you practiced um, on her pretty much is what you're saying. You made all the mistakes on her stuff. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> I, I've been building for 20 years, so oh, okay, uh, gotcha. I've been making mistakes that whole time. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's we, we basically the the reason it went out this way is that um, she she wanted to have uh, a cabin. She was excited about having a cabin. Um, she didn't want to, or n neither of the kids wanted to spend a whole lot of time living in the pop tent trailer in the cold with us. Um, <laughs> and so. Our son and daughter, they came together and agreed, okay, well, you can build Tara's cabin first if I, being Paiute, our son, if he gets to live in the existing cabin that was already here so he doesn't have to be in the pop-ten trailer with mom and dad. <laughs> and she said that's cool because she was used to it from being in Mexico. Um, so he slept in that little cabin while we were building her place. Uh, once her place was done, at that point he was off to school um, anyway, right? Mm -hmm. uh, he was back to school. Uh, so he didn't need his cabin. Then we built. Uh, then we built our house uh, home, um, and then we built the treehouse after that. And the treehouse was. Um, had, the kids having their own space, I think, was it was really our idea of giving them a place of privacy. Um, you know, the reality was and is that they spend most of their time in the house with us. Huh. Um, but it's cool. nice to be able to come here. If they've got three or four friends over, it's nice to have their own space to do that and, and not, you know, be right in our uh, tiny existence because it, it can get kind of jammed in there when you have, you know, each kid has three friends over. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and the other, so the other thing with, with the, the treehouse was, you know, like I said, I've been a builder for 20 years and, I had told Paiute when he was much younger, maybe like five, that I would build him a treehouse. And, you know, like they say, the cobbler's son has no shoes. Well, here I am, a builder, and I had I never built it. I had no time. I was always building for other people. Um, and it was one of my great sadnesses of being a parent. It was really the only thing I felt like I had done a poor job on and I hadn't followed through was saying that I would build this treehouse. So when we bought this land... Um, I knew right away that he was getting his treehouse. Um, mm -hmm. I was going to make good on that on that promise to build it. And for all those who people out there who have young kids, build the treehouse when they're young because it can be like a sheet of plywood and two pieces of crap. <laughs> <laughs> they get older, and he's like, "Yeah, I want a wet bar." <laughs> so yeah, it, it became a much nicer structure than it would have been when he was younger. So it sounds like you have three cabins, a tiny house. How 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 big are these cabins? Our daughter's is 10 by 12. 12. Our son's is 10 by 16. And the one you're in, or is that a different one? 
Uh, we're in our daughter's cabin right now. Oh, I yeah, see. Daughter's right now, and then our tiny house is 207 square feet um, on the bottom, plus 110 square feet in loft, so 317 if you add it all together. Wow. How long did it take you to build the cabins? Not that long. Um, Longer than it took you to build the tiny house? Uh, no, no, much quicker. A lot less, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it really, things start to slow down dramatically when you're with dealing with, um, you know, systems like plumbing um, and then cabinetry, installation, kitchens. Well, and, and when we built home, Gabriella filmed the whole thing. Cause, so, you know, we have our, our DVD series on how to build a tiny house, and that that whole thing was done while we were building our tiny house. So, you know, I couldn't just go in and, and you know, frame a wall and stand it and have to explain how I'm framing it, show how it's done, show the standing of the wall, show the bracing, all that stuff. So that definitely slowed us down. Whereas when we did the other cabins, actually with Tara's cabin, we did that too. We filmed this cabin too. Yeah, we did. Um, and, uh, but with, with the treehouse, um, it was just sort of the, the hardest thing about the treehouse, as you might imagine is that it's in a tree. Right. Um, so everything is, you know, 10 feet in the air <laughs> to the, to the bottom of it. So it, it's a lot of carrying stuff up, uh, a non-existing, you know, there is no platform. Once we had a platform, it was fine. Right. Uh, but getting that platform built uh, definitely slowed things down. Interesting. So the the, the the cabins don't have cabinetry and a kitchen or plumbing in them. No, no, no. They're just they're just uh, they have a bed um, and a desk uh, and a little cl- and a closet and a heater and that's it. A wood 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 type heater. Uh, propane. That is awesome. So you have a little compound of tiny spaces on your five-acre property. We do, yeah. And that's one of the things that I think that, I don't know, I I think we'll like that we did it this way as the as the time, you know, expands into the future. But as the kids get older and then, you know, I'm assuming at some point they're going to move away, um, we can just easily close up these spaces and they can come back and visit when, whenever they want. But not having to condition them and um, in terms of heating and cooling and stuff like that when people aren't living in them, um, I think it's going to be a great thing. Yeah. A lot of people end up buying these huge houses for, you know, the kids and then the kids move out and then they're stuck with these huge houses. And that I know that's um, can be stressful for a lot of people once they become empty nesters. And yeah. what do they do with this ginormous house? It's like we just, we went to a, a tiny house meetup last night, um, in a nearby town here. And, uh, one of the hosts was saying that he had just, uh, had received some information about housing in, in Oregon and that on any given night, 36% of, of bedrooms in Oregon houses are empty. Yeah. So you, that doesn't mean you're not paying for it. You're right. still paying to heat and cool it. Right. Um, but it's, there's no one using it. So that, that is an advantage we think of this place. We could just turn off the heater and mm. there's no plumbing. So it doesn't matter if it goes down to negative 20, it's, it's, it's not going to freeze anything. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, I was, I mean, not only was I inspired by your, by your home design, but um, I was really, really inspired by the concept, and, and now I'm sort of changing my idea about where I'm going to end up parking my tiny house long term, and uh, really starting to look at my next project, which is a tree house. So, um, so I'm, I'm right behind you a few years, granted, but I, I really, really <laughs> appreciate the thoughtfulness, and I appreciate you guys sort of blazing the way, and... Um, it's just, it's such a, such a great place to be. They have this lo- lovely solar array. Um, it's just, it's just really pretty. It's just really pretty. And I, I appreciate the effort and the time that you put into it. Thank so, you. Thanks. 
So um, it's, it's interesting. You, so you have 20 years of building experience, Andrew. It seems like you can pop these things out like a woman pops a baby. I'm just kidding. Right? You can pop, <laughs> Wait a minute. I know. You can pop these things out in no time at all. What, how, do you, how do you relate with, the, with, with who I imagine to be the average tiny houser who doesn't have your kind of experience is doing this thing for the first time and is maybe scared of putting a hammer to a nail? Yeah, I mean, that, that's... That's something I actually relate really well to, because um, in, in the last how many years now? I have to talk to my my manager. How many years have <laughs> I been, been doing workshops and stuff? Nine years. Nine years. So for the last nine years, um, I've been teaching people how to build straw bale houses in hands-on workshops, and I you know I'll have a group of thirty-five people for seven days straight. Some of which are are general contractors. Some are engineers. Some have they don't even know which one's the hammer and which one's the nail. So there's there's definitely. Um, that's a big part of my life is teaching people that stuff, and, and I love it. I actually I find it really exciting um, to see people show up at the beginning of a workshop really nervous and to leave feeling confident um, and to know that they can do it. And, and I think that's the thing for anyone, whether you've, you know, if, you, if you've ever built a, a birdhouse or, or you've never built anything at all, it's definitely possible. It's not, it's not something that you can't learn how to do. The, the key is you need to take the time to learn uh, because there's a lot of stuff that, as builders, we just know, you know, and, and we don't we, we don't just know it because it's just like in our brains because it just landed there someday. It's because we learned it, and and that sort of stuff that we can that I can help people pick up and 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 give those pieces of information to makes a huge difference. And and the biggest thing is it's about confidence. Now I'll give you this one tidbit because I just love this. This was from a a building mentor of mine um, who, gosh, when I met him, he was probably eighty two. Wow. Um, and he'd been building since he was about 15. Um, and you know, the whole idea of measure twice and cut once, he would look at something from the ground and point up to the roof and say, we need a 22 and 7 sixteenths inch piece of blocking right there. Normally it'd be 22 and a half, but that, that's about a 16th shy. Wow. And I'd look at him and go, Dick, you're crazy. And he'd go, go measure it. And I'd measure it and he'd be spot on. I mean, wow. he just he had been in the industry so long, he could see things from a distance. Anyway, he said to me, there's no, there's no mistake you can make on a job that you can't fix. And when I really, when that landed for me, um, it really increased my confidence to just build. And, you know, if I mess something up, okay, now I get to fix it. So it might cost a little more, it might take a little longer, but it takes away that, um, that hesitation that often just kills a project. When, yeah. you, when you triple think everything, sometimes it's too much and you just need to move forward and make progress and do it with confidence. Amen. Um, so that's what I try to instill with, in people. That's, that's true, true in everything. Well, that's that's like people's technology thing too. Yeah. It's like you're not going to break your computer by going to whatever. Or going to the command line. Or exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well that's, that sounds scary. I don't know. What I, was gonna, I was just going to say, yeah. if you went to the command line, you probably would screw up your computer, but opening a menu. That's, that's, that's why my computer doesn't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So um, let's let's give yourself an opportunity to to plug your your wares. I know you do workshops. What else do you do for folks? Gosh, um, well, I, we we saw the plans, so we have a full set of architectural plans for the home design. Um, one of the things that we feel proud about with those plans is that we didn't just you know design them and and put them together put them on the market we actually hired a, a pretty large team of professionals people that we trust and have worked with for years 
so we have a the the plans are structurally engineered um and they i mean oh my goodness the amount of months that went into just getting them engineered and making sure that all the components were right so that they were safe um to you know plumber electrician architectural designer um and a sketch up uh professional um so yeah so we have our plans then we also have the the series of videos um it's over six hours of um gripping fascinating uh, entertainment it's it's like even if you don't want to build you should probably get it anyway just yeah. to watch it <laughs> well andrew i have to give it to you because you know now we've painted the background picture of the weather and, and and a bit of the mood that we experienced um kind of occasionally <laughs> and poor andrew you know and there i am i'm so cranky behind the camera very often i'm underneath the number come on just get the shot i'm freezing <laughs> <laughs> it's andrew it's house bill poor andrew <laughs> so you know chipper and and upbeat and um anyways so, so yeah we yeah. couldn't really do the gag reel blooper reel because there was too much swearing <laughs> no we actually do have a oh gag we do reel. have a gag yeah. <laughs> we eliminated all the swear ones anyway so people that that listen to this and then watch the video they can know that Andrew's a fantastic professional uh, <laughs> guy. And then uh, now we have our workshops, which we're super excited about. So we're going to be in um, Orlando, fe- February, over Valentine's Day. What better way to spend the weekend with your sweetheart? Then we're going to be in um, Denver over Andrew's birthday, March 12th. And then we will be in San Francisco in April, and they're going to be two-day workshops for each of them, and we already have lots of people signing up for them. So we're yeah, we're really excited. It just makes so much sense because of Andrew's uh, previous experience with uh, teaching workshops and everything that he knows knows about construction and and zoning also, and how to deal with those um, complexities. Cool. And if, if I can just continue on how awesome I am um, <laughs> no. uh, the, the other the other part that that I, I'm really excited about with the workshops and it's actually something that I've had a passion for for a long time of just working with people on an emotional level um, and I've, I've worked with lots and lots and lots and lots of people over the years on personal coaching stuff and um, one of the things that uh, I didn't mean to put into my straw bale workshops when I first started doing them but there were times where I would sit with people, you know, in the evening and just chat about what their experiences were with their projects or with their home life or whatever, whatever their challenges were. Uh, and I really love that. And that's one of the things I'm, I'm bringing to the tiny house workshop as well is not, not so much that, you know, you're going to be sat on stage and processed in front of everyone. That's not what I'm suggesting, but, uh, <laughs> there, there will be challenges in building a tiny house or a regular house or whatever you do there, there, there will be challenges. There, there are always setbacks. Uh, whether it be the weather, whether it be you ordered something wrong or you cut it wrong. Um, and, and over the years, I've seen, I've literally seen uh, when I was contracting on full-size houses, I've seen couples get divorced because they can't agree on what color the, the curtain should be in their living room. Wow. And it's, it's not about the curtains at that point. It's that we're not yeah. dealing with all of the frustrations and stresses that came up along the way. Yeah. Um, and that's crucial. You have to be able to do that. So that's that's one of the, the pieces that we add into this uh, into this two day workshop is talking about uh, you know those challenges along the way and how to manage your time, how to manage your stress, how to manage your relationships. Because the last thing you want to do is go into the experience of building this beautiful home for you and your partner, and then end up getting divorced and hating your partner. 
Yeah. Uh, that doesn't really solve anything. So uh, that, that's an aspect that I'm excited about. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Um, so, okay, so how much is this workshop? I'm trying to help you out here. How much is the workshop, and where can they go? Where can people go to find out more information about it? So our website, they can go on to uh, tinyhousebuild.com. We have a workshops tab, and um, the normal price is $399 per person for the both of the days. And um, that also includes... Um, over $300 in bonuses so people can sign up for the workshop and they'll also get the digital versions of the videos we just talked about hmm. and um, of the plans. <clears throat> and another digital set of... Uh, um, I, I, years ago, I created a product called the, the Be Your Own Contractor Training. Um, and it's... What is that? It's How many hours is that? Also over six hours. Six, okay. That's the magic number. <laughs> over six hours. And that's that is basically... If somebody ever asks, why does a contractor get 20%? I mean, how hard can it be? I hand them that DVD set and <laughs> say, okay, watch this six hours. There's a lot that goes into contracting. It's one thing to know how to frame a house or how to, you know, um, how, to, how to put the plumbing in. But there's also all the stuff that contractors do in the background, which if you're building your own house, you are the contractor. So yeah. you have to know all that stuff as well. So anyway, that's in there as well. Very, very wow. cool. That's cool that you give them the plans. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, we want to give people as many tools and resources as we possibly can in order for them to be successful. And so we handpicked all of these, you know, bonuses because we feel these are the ones that will help people towards that goal. And then they also, um, right now we're having a sale which ends Friday. Yeah. Yeah, so that probably won't come out on time. Yeah. No. We'll miss that so one. Yeah, sorry. January. So sorry, listeners, you're screwed. No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there's a discount if people sign up together. So that that's definitely worth mentioning. Awesome. That, um, you know, if, if it's we would say three ninety nine, and if you uh, if you sign up with an extra person, if two of you want to come, then we discount the pricing on both of those uh, by fifty bucks. So each person gets a fifty dollars savings on that. So yeah, so you get Thanks. two people would get it at a hundred dollars. Total off. Total off. Yeah. Did you just say thanks? That's nice. Oh, okay. I think. I don't know. No, that's nice. I thought you said thanks. Oh, that's yeah. nice. <laughs> Aww. And then, hey, if you guys ever make it up to Portland, let us know so we can all grab a coffee. Yeah, that sounds great, actually. Oh, I'd love that. I'd rather have a drink. These oh, okay. two, yeah. these two, when they drink, are just even that much more awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gonna have to go that way, Michelle, because I don't drink coffee. So that's, I think that's the only option left, isn't it? <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> So what are you guys going to do with the rest of your day? Uh, let's see. We've got actually another another uh, interview phone call coming up in a little bit. Then what? I'm going to go go work out. I'm going to go uh, play ice hockey. I'm just going to play ice hockey and um, come home and cook some dinner. Grueling. And then uh, that's, yeah. that'll probably be the end. What are you cooking for dinner? Grueling. <laughs> uh, we haven't made it that far into the future. Well, living in the moment. That's exactly. Nice. Living in the moment. Right on, baby. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for for joining us today, and I'm um, for the listeners. We're going to have lots of pictures on our website at tinyhousepodcast.com. So be sure to check out the show notes and uh, the photos that we're going to get. Hint, hint. 
Gabriella, send me some pictures. Um, especially of the cabins, please. I, that just sounds really cool. We can get you pictures of the cabins, of our time in Mexico, nice. of, the, of the property. We'll, we'll style that, that page out. All, that, all of that would be fantastic. And, dog. Yeah. <laughs> and sweater. <laughs> and they have, they have lovely pictures on their own website. Um, what's that website again? tinyhousebuild.com yeah you can see that beautiful uh, uh, tiny house that they've built and anyway folks thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next week on tiny house podcast catch you on the rebound yeah. see you guys bye. bye thank you for listening to tiny house podcast to find us online go to tinyhousepodcast.com where you will also find our show notes if you remember to put them there our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sightcast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. <laughs>